this is Guys Read Romance, where I, romance author Margot Radcliffe, politely strong-arm my male friends into reading and chatting about romance novels with me for an uncomfortably long period of time. All right, today on the podcast is my wonderful and old friend Zach is back. We were college roommates for three years, which wherein he saw me vomit more times than he can probably count. <laughs> We once had a Christmas tree decorated exclusively with condoms and beer cans, regardless of the fact that Zach directed us all in making a copious amount of salt dough ornaments. We had a tub that was completely black and a freezer that once housed over 200 pieces of frozen chicken bought from a traveling poultry truck. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I think <laughs> so much chicken. I forgot about, about that. Oh, the, the tub, sadly, the tub I did not forget about. <laughs> no, that's in my nightmares. Um, <laughs> he is a master at the trombone, so it's safe to say he knows a lot about blowing, which makes him a perfect guest for this podcast. So thank you, Zach, for letting me rope you into this, and I'm excited to talk about more romance with you. Oh, it is my pleasure. At this point, I am hooked, so yeah. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah, just a note. All of that chicken had to be broken over into the, the neighboring apartment's freezer. It was two freezers full of frozen chicken, if I remember wow. correctly. Yeah. So much chicken. I feel that we threw away chicken once people graduated. All right, Zach, just to recap, what kind of books do you typically read? Before? Typically um, science fiction and fantasy and contemporary fiction. Okay. And what was your previous opinion about romance before starting to read it? I just assumed they were all just like written porn, that it would be just all about the sex scenes with just filler material, you know, connecting them that really didn't have any, that most people, just, I, I assume that people didn't even really read it. They just skimmed between it or unless they were bored. <laughs> <laughs> They're just skimming for, you know, turgid and penises and stuff. Right. All right. All right fair enough. Well, safe to say, I think you no longer feel that way, but we will talk about that more in a little bit. All right, Zach, now the first thing we're going to do is play a game. I'm going to read you two passages. One is written by a man and one is written by a woman, and you have to guess which is which. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Evelyn put her own hands on her breasts and her palms rotated the nipples. Her hands swam down along her flanks. She rubbed her hips. Her feet pointed like dancers and her toes curled. Her pelvis rose from the bed as if seeking something in the air. There's the first one. Here is the second one. The thought terrified him, but he tried not to dwell on it by doing things. Fumbling for the condom, the tear of the package, the roll-on, some skills were innate. And then he was moving close, going too fast, making a mess of it. But he would never know from how she responded. All right. First one, man. Second one, woman. <laughs> Why did you choose these things? Uh, well... Blank, um, again, and how much, well, just how vulnerable they're making, they make the the guy, the guy in the second one just uh -huh. feel like, it's just, well, <laughs> I love to say it, it just sounds better written. 
I have not yet. I have not yet read a romance novel written by a man, but uh-huh. part of me thinks I might not <laughs> <laughs> because of these because of this game <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I think in the last one there was something about like manipulating nipples, like a video game controller, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe that was in Matt. <laughs> it was definitely something about like a video game. <laughs> no, it was yours. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. All right, well, fair enough. You are correct. Congratulations. The first one was El Doctoro Ragtime, a classic novel, and then the second one was Man Down, Kate Meter or Meter. I don't know how you actually pronounce it, but also so- they managed to she managed to make the unwrapping of the condom build sexual tension probably because a man would have said something about like he hurled it down you know like like threw it down like he's ready for business where instead it just added to the overall tension and like maybe he's gonna chicken out maybe he's gonna run away because he's got deep emotional scarring you know <laughs> so he well and i read this book that that came from and he's a widow so that is actually like a scene where he's it is emotional in that in that scene it does feel like you might it does feel like he might run away so anyway but he doesn't you know because it's sex and he's a guy so they're doing it. <laughs> um, the book that we are reading today is A Hunger Like No Other by Cressley Cole. It's the first in the Immortals After Dark long-running series that still has not ended. It is still ongoing. <clears throat> A little bit about Cressley Cole. She is the number one New York Times bestselling author of this electrifying Immortals After Dark paranormal series the Young Adult Arcana Chronicles series, and the Erotic Game Maker series, and five award-winning historical romances. Her books have been published in 23 countries and consistently appear on bestseller lists in the U.S. and abroad. She has received three Romance Writers of America Readers Awards and was inducted into the RWA Hall of Fame in 2009. She also placed in the top seven on the New York Times bestseller list in three different genres in a six-month span. So she is a super duper romance author and very popular, though hasn't published in a little bit. So I, everybody's kind of waiting. We've been waiting for the next book in the series for some time. So anyway, here is the book summary, A Hunger Like No Other by Cressley Cole. The summary of the book is a fierce werewolf and a bewitching vampire become unlikely soulmates whose passion will test the boundaries of life and death. After enduring years of torture from the vampire horde, Lachlan McReeve, leader of the Lycae clan, is enraged to find that the predestined mate he's waited for millennia for is a vampire, or partly one. Emmeline Troy is a small, ethereal, half-Valkyrie, half-vampire who somehow begins to soothe the fury burning within him. Sheltered Emmeline finally sets out to uncover the truth about her deceased parents until a powerful Lycae claims her as his mate and forces her back to his ancestral Scottish castle. There, her fear of the Lycae and their notorious dark desires ebbs as he begins a slow, wicked seduction to sate her own dark cravings. Yet, when an ancient evil from her past resurfaces, will their desire deepen into a love that can bring a proud warrior to his knees and turn a gentle beauty into the fighter she was born to be? So that is the description. All right, Zach. So let's get into this book. So first of all, why did you pick this particular one? Because out of the list. Let's see. I think it was the only one that might have been, this is a paranormal romance, correct? Right. Okay. Yes, so I was sir. like, okay, I've, 
I've read stuff with vampires and I, I know I read some of the Anne Rice books like way back. Uh-huh. You know, so I had read what I would consider non-romance novels that should have had a similar vibe. And since I found something wilder that that it it, it reminded me of non-romance books with, you know, treasure hunting and adventure that I thought, oh, I want to see how it how it compares in the romance. Like when you take these similar characters, but now romance is, you know, the central uh, focus, how it would be. Okay, cool. So what were your first impressions of the cover, the blurb? Tell me some. you had a, a lot of opinions about the cover of this book. Because if I remember... <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> well, with something wilder, it was like forgettable. Like I don't even remember. It was just some like concept art or something, you know. Right. Uh, it was very nice. Like, but this book should have warned me a little bit. I think just you know, like how he's just staring off. I mean, you know, or, or staring at you. Definitely that animal vibe. So what was the cover? Can we explain it? It's just a man. It's a man's face, right? It's black and white. It's, it's a very man's- dark. Yeah, you know, it's very dark because a lot of this book has to take place in the dark because she's a vampire. Yes. <laughs> and I, I feel like in my mind, he's like looking through like a wrought iron gate, but maybe there's no gate. But regardless, he's just going to, if there is, he's just going to smash through it because he's got a hunger like no other and it, it, can, <laughs> it can't be stopped. And that uh-huh. pretty much is like his character. But yeah, there's, there's, his eyes are just kind of just piercing and obsessive yeah yeah oh it's not is that his hair what is that going across his face no it is it does look like an iron gate but i think that this is i've seen another cover for it i feel like this is a reissued cover and i feel like the first one i feel like the first one had the woman on it but i'm not sure but yeah this one is just the guy's face but i also he also has those like golden eyes oh yes so i think this is the original cover and you can see it's like a shadowy man, and then she's kind of more at the at the forefront. You know what I mean? That's Emmeline there. Very racist. Is that her back we're looking at? Yeah. It's a vampire. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. so it's yeah. red and stuff. She's got red nails. Anyway. And, like, he, appear, he appears in this one to, like, be biting her, but he's not a vampire, which is odd but anyway whatever this one much more updated and it's a better uh, cover yeah it's better so when you say it should have warned you what so what do you think <laughs> what are you trying to say there well like- I, I will i will tell your listeners that i followed this one up with two other romance novels suggested by my wife that i, I believe also qualify as paranormal romance and I did not, and I had a much more positive reaction than with A Hunger Like No Other. Oh, really? So you like those ones better than A Hunger Like No Other? Yes, I did not. I liked and I was intrigued by how they, you know, the different kinds of supernatural characters, you know, vampires and werewolves, and there were, I think, Furies, and I forget. Valkyrie. What other, Valkyries, that's right. Or maybe the Valkyrie's name was Fury. That was, that might have, I think I'm mixing it, but yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, those characters, I saw that as setting up, like, you're never going to run out of ideas and stories. You know, you don't have to have the meet cue. Like, you're going to have, like, well, there's somebody's always going to be questing and going on some crazy journey. But this book, I mean, it, it, he escapes, and then it starts with him sexually assaulting <laughs> the, the person. You know, I, I learned from the last one, on the back of these books, it's going to tell you, you hear the two characters, 
who's going to end up in love together. Like, you know. So there was no getting away from it. I had to immediately swallow that he's going to capture and sexually assault the other main character in the book. And so I, I, I couldn't, I, I, could, I mean, I read the whole thing and I, I tried to get past that for the sake of experiencing a paranormal romance book for the first time. But I, I really like, you know, Dwell will tell me, tell, you know, tell somebody like, I just get like enraged about this stuff in you know in the real world but you know like i think we might have said before like i quit game of thrones because it was so racy and i'm yeah, like, okay, if you're creating a fictional world this isn't like you know contemporary fiction this is a complete i mean we got vampires and and valkyries and things like you don't have like you don't have to have rape and sexual assault like you have other atrocities but i just think those tend to be always in in books crimes perpetrated against women and i and i like i just i have i, I just hate it and for it to start so immediately like that and for these two characters to end up together i you know i i don't know i just it, it, it was it, it, it kind of the whole rest of the book, I was like, I just couldn't get over it or or wrap my wrap my head around his character. Where her her character, other than of course, I'm questioning like, well, how can she be with this guy ever or forgive him? Her character was really really interesting, and I, I that you know, probably is what kept me reading. Uh huh. Well, okay. So, <clears throat> did the cover deliver on what? you're saying that it did deliver on what you thought you'd be reading. Like you looked at the cover and it matched what you read and the description and matched what you actually read. Yes. And I think that's why I said, I think that other cover is, I think the new cover is an improvement. I think like they could have written this without that initial, that assault. Like I think they could have done it. It's that he could not, could not ignore it. Like he could not ignore. It was a hunger like, yeah i mean and that's what that, that cover definitely you know where he's just like obsessed mm-hmm. well she was his mate she, he's waited for her for 1500 years and so later in the book when she discovers his thoughts that doesn't that doesn't make you empathetic to his plight at the beginning of, of the novel when she feels like his skin still burning from being in that fire pit you're not like uh you know <clears throat> I mean, I guess it, in the same way, like, I, I'm going to be careful not to connect this to, like, real world stuff too much, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, are we saying he has, <laughs> I, I don't want to connect it to real, to like, real conditions, because this is not a real condition, and I don't want to trivialize real conditions. Here's what I'm trying to say, is <laughs> there might be some things that people cannot help, but that doesn't mean it should be allowed to happen. We should do everything in our power to stop it, to, you know, whether they need help. I don't know if he needs help. I don't know how you help a, an immortal werewolf with a hunger <laughs> like no other, but <clears throat> protect your vampires, I guess, like uh, keep them away. Keep, they should, I mean, it makes me think however terrible the vampires are that he should never, you know, he shouldn't have escaped or I, I don't know. just like, yeah, I, I guess I, I, I don't, I just don't understand why it was a necessary element in the book, like why it had to be written that way. I think he could have kidnapped her and have been a 500-year-old bastard who then, even though I don't really believe people change this dramatically in real life, but again, this is not real life, like could have been, had his world turned upside down by 
spending so much time with her without it resorting to that almost immediately, like in the first, what, 40 pages or something. Like it was really quick. They did get it on very quickly. But I mean, I like I'd have to read it again. But like I there was some acquiescence on her part. You know what I mean? Like she didn't totally not she was confounded and confused and inexperienced, but I don't know that she didn't desire him or or want the the contact. So I I have to look at it again. But so the the whole thing with her is she's never been with somebody. I don't think she's ever even climaxed on her own. Right. I, I think that's like yes, that's that that's what I remember from this book. And so, <laughs> but that even to me is like I'm like, did a woman really write this? Like it's baffling to me that. It's that classic, and this is one of the like one of the one of the things that I really that makes why I'm uncomfortable with porn in general is like it just makes me think that men just think stuff like this, like this is well one that this is what they want to see and watch, like like so much domination where the person is like uh, sort of unwilling and it's not quite right, but like maybe it sort of is, or like they said yes, but then it turned ugly. Ha ha ha. Like just kind of gross. I mean, is gross to me, but also that they, the women actually ultimately end up getting into it. Even it's like that. Well, they said kind of saying no, but you know, if I just make this cert, what was that line? Circular motions and the nipples. And that one was like, you know, within five minutes, they'll change their mind. And I'm like, and that's kind of thing too. It's like, yeah, she had never like had any experience and she finds her body reacting, but that doesn't mean that she wants it. And in fact, like as for how long it takes her, like, you know, even, you know, it's because she is, does keep responding to him or is attracted to him physically, but in her mind, she keeps like shutting it down, like over and over and over again. It keeps trying to create these boundaries that if she hadn't been held captive, they never would have, it never would have gotten to that point. You know, it's like, yeah, she eventually get to know him well enough that she finally did, she did consent and she did want it. But, you know, all before that, it's just purely physical, but she still managed to resist him at least partially, you know, what, despite what he forced on her each time. So, All right, fair enough. We'll get into this deeper later. So this is a paranormal book. Did that part of this work for you? And that goes along again, I think, with this notion of consent. These books tend to be, paranormal tends to be a little bit less modern in that in that sense it's a fantasy world and so some rules are a little looser i think but outside of that were you drawn into this universe because it is like a there are 17 maybe more books in this particular series and they have everything from werewolves vampires fey valkyries ghosts (laughs) ghouls demons like there's everything kind of in this uh, universe and so tell me about tell me just how you where, was that interesting to you how did you feel about it oh yeah definitely I, I read you know science fiction and fantasy and I find sometimes the line can be really blurry like if they're not in space <laughs> to less you know terrestrial science fiction a lot of times I think the line can be kind of blurry it's just often the absence of those like classic figures that can you know kind of be like oh well this is science fiction even though there's like abilities and they don't quite call magic but you know they're more elemental it still seems 
very similar. So I think that's why I'm drawn to the two genres. And this, you know, what's called paranormal in these, it seems very similar in a lot of ways to to some fantasy that's like where there are people with abilities, whether it's called magic or not. All right. So was the dialogue realistic to you? Do you think that that's how, did it seem modern or did it seem dated? Because this was, oh, I didn't do the date, but I, it was the mid aughts. So it's, it's quite old. I mean, like, I mean, not that old, but like old enough. I did think the dialogue was real. It was very believable because everybody in the book is in the present, except for Lachlan has been captive for a long time. So he does seem very out of place mm-hmm. and again I, I, i'm not going to forgive him for his behavior just because rape was cool a couple hundred years ago or <laughs> whenever he was last in the dungeon but like you know as far as like how they like they didn't just blow over the fact that he was completely in the dark in fact he adapts to the world rather quickly right. um which makes sense because He's lived a long time. He's, you know, he has a lot of knowledge and should not be surprised and shocked by change. And he's seen a lot of change in his own lifetime. So I think it, it you know, it, it doesn't make it ridiculous. They didn't defrost Brandon Fraser and he's a complete, completely out of place in this. Right? Am, I get, am I getting that reference right in the Polly Shore movie where they, they defrost a caveman out of a rock and it's just an hour and a half of hilarity? I think it's Brandon Fraser. And Sino Man? That's Is right. That, that's right. Oh my yeah. God! In Sino, California. In this case, you know, he comes out of the dungeon and he he's like, "Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm going to need to like adapt to this world. I'm going to need to figure it out kind of quick." And because you know he's lived a long time and he's got a lot of money, he's got people who are there to like bring him up to date. So it seemed very believable in that sense, and, and the dialogue worked. And again, and her character, I think, was very very interesting. I like characters like that where they're underestimated constantly and going to prove everyone around them including you know her like her own family how much they underestimated her yeah they really did it kind of got annoying at the end yeah tbh to to be honest um all right so yeah i felt that way too i've these were this was an easy read to me um though i i'll admit i listened to most of it on audio it was a male narrator so of course like lachlan lachlan whatever his voice was very good but the narrator tried to do like sometimes it was like a southern accent for the girl and like sometimes not and it was just it it was not good so it made me like her less even though it was not at all her fault just the narration was not amazing so anyway (laughs) but when you listen to audio like the dialogue is like more like if it's silly and stupid like you it's like way more apparent in an audiobook so anyway, I didn't have a problem with this. Okay, did you feel that there was true chemistry between the hero, heroine and hero? And did you believe that they were in love? <laughs> I would say yes, it was definite chemistry because I really do think it was like actual chemistry. Like, you know, this like like animalistic urges and desire and need um, mm-hmm. that grew. Even for her, I mean, by... Like the fine the time when they finally like I forget what they actually call it where they're like you know sort of like bond you know like forging this like unbreakable thing together when it's not just the foreplay anymore like it's, you know it's like they're going to be together yeah but but whether they how they were in love I mean yes I just I guess the problem I, I understand what he saw in her 
because, of course, he's upset that he's waited for this mate forever and finds out he's a vampire, and that's like a terrible thing. But he knows he can't ignore it. What I what I'm not sure is what she's so impressed with him because he just seems <laughs> uh-huh. not that not that deep or interesting. Like he's got a lot of power, but why he's does he have that years power? Old. He he's broke super his old, head. and he's got a lot of he's got a big property and lots of money, and a lot of people that will you know will help him and do his, his bidding. But she is got doesn't have very much, and you know, and is able, but is very strong regardless. Even though like what she does have is a family that is trying to hold her back, and she's going to overcome that anyway. So she seems very impressive. He's just seems not that impressive to me. So he's not impressive to you. He's 1500 years old. He learned modern times so fast. He, he was tortured for 150 years, endured that is a king. He tempers his own wild animal just for her. What else do you want this man to do, Zach? I mean, he is pillar of masculinity. He's pillar sent- of toxic ma- masculinity. I mean, I guess <laughs> I must, I'd like to see him woo somebody without capturing them and refusing to let them go. Does- if, if we okay. could, if, I mean, I guess I, I don't understand why this is, again, not judging a writer for being a woman and writing a character, a male character this way, but it seems more of like a male desire to go, I can grab what I want and eventually they'll see that I, that what I wanted was what they want too. Like why would, like why somebody would write the character that, I mean, unless does the author relate more to Lachlan than to Emma? Because it just, he doesn't seem, seems, I certainly don't relate to Lachlan. Like, I can't imagine being... But again, I don't have a hunger like no other. And <laughs> this is the, supposedly the only, his only chance at a mate. But again, you know what? We tell my six-year-old all the time, sometimes you can't have everything you want. You know? Like, get, you might have to, like, go on with the rest of your life without that one thing. Like, oh, well, sorry. He just seems like a spoiled, rich brat to me. That's what he is. He's a spoiled, rich brat. Yeah, he's old. He's got a lot of stuff. Maybe he's never going to have a mate. I mean, he's had plenty of sex, it sounds like. Uh-huh. But, like, he can't have the mate. So what? Maybe he, he just doesn't. There's a lot of things you and I would probably like that we'll never get in life. Like, <laughs> So, hold on. Hold on one sec. So, the kidnapping. Yeah, okay. Let's We can talk about this for a second. He does... I guess in a sense he kidnaps her, but... And then sexually assaults her in a shower. (laughs) Almost immediately. (laughs) I shouldn't be... Maybe I shouldn't be laughing. (laughs) But... But I just know we're laughing because you're trying to go like, is it really that bad? (laughs) Yes, it is. Because you listen to an audio, I reread it like three or four times before I was. I let my. I continued on the book because I was like, am I reading this right? Is this is this really how this romance novel starts? Like, Uh is this a dream? Like, what's going on? Like, um, excuse me. Well, so you get the sense though that like she in the beginning yes she is trapped in that room i guess i'm just trying to think about it here but (laughs) but i think that like
like in this again wouldn't happen in like a, in a contemporary romance this would just happen in paranormal right because it's a different it's a fantasy world but i think that she because she is a a magical creature there is a little bit more leeway like maybe she could get out of this situation really but she like doesn't try that hard you know what i mean does she try to leave i mean i to think of the time she doesn't know she's strong she's not been allowed to be i mean that's like this whole thing they don't develop it initially but that's the whole thing with her characters you find out that it's not just her future eternal husband but it's also her own family that is like been so overprotective because of who her parents were or who her father was that yep. she's not willing to do really anything and everyone has been telling her that she is weak and so she yep. doesn't know that she is, is strong. So yeah. I was trying to draw a parallel in non-romance and then I realized the only par- parallel I could draw was <laughs> another author that I did not like and quit his books. <laughs> Our good friend R.R. R. Martin. Uh, <laughs> you read those or watched those? It doesn't matter if you read them or watched them. Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah. I watched them. Uh, with Daenerys, same thing. She gets basically okay. sold to that dude. Yeah. Uh, raped on her wedding night. And then yeah. they become like fiery, passionate lovers who, you know, like, I'm like, like, but again, that's that dude's rapey fantasy because he loves rape. Uh, <laughs> and it's all over his books. Like, and I, that was the one thing as much as her character's awesome. And while she mourned her husband's death, I was kind of like, all right, good. I'm just glad I don't have to like worry about remembering how she entered into this marriage. In the beginning, he's just gone. And, you know, others would say, well, it was just an arranged marriage. It was just an arranged marriage. But uh-huh. this is modern times. And Emma did not enter into an arranged marriage. Her parent, you know, in fact, her family was furious and trying to, to get her. And so I, I, I just, yeah, can't, I, I just can't get past that. It's just one. Well, going back to Game of Thrones, first of all, Jason Momoa was super hot. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I love this character. I wanted to love him. I just, and again, like, he, uh, the context I realized is a little bit different. You know, that's time in society, but, like, but still didn't like, like hmm. that. And, you know, they wanted to start her almost from the bottom to have to raise her up like they did and to continue on without him. And they do become this awesome, powerful couple briefly together, but still. Well, look, I, I this is going to be sound serious, but I will say that, like, I think that one of the things that we see over and over again and it's unfortunate that it has to happen but like what we see like in situations like with Daenerys in Game of Thrones is women being subjugated and still finding a way in that space to one be happy to two flourish three like thrive and grow and unfortunately that's just like what over time and as women as a people have like had to do because on on some level you're going to have to find a way to be happy regardless of your situation so like would she have chosen to be sold to jason momoa and like fucked on a hillside probably not you know what i mean but it happened so like how do we find happiness well she i mean like you have 
right? To survive. So like, that's what we as women have done, right? And so there Mm. is that romanticizing of that because he is a hot, rich man or whatever. So like, that's sad to think about. So like, I don't like to talk about that stuff really, but like, and that's not what's happening in a hunger like no other. But there is that thing about women that we as a society accept. But I do think that there's a difference in a hunger like no other in that like he, yes, he captures her. It's not great, the kidnapping. (laughs) But except for that, he doesn't necessarily force, like when she says no, he does stop. So like there is that line that he doesn't cross. And like you see again in those scenes later on in the book where she has his memories because she's drinking his blood, that he stops at extreme, not peril, but like intense cost to himself. So is it not great? Sure. But is it like like a Game of Thrones situation? No. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, Game of Thrones is because our, our Martin's an old white dude and if a, 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 well, if a newer young writer today that would written that scene is the second night she would have got, instead of being taught some great sex move that would make it better for her, that mm-hmm. person would have slipped her a dagger and told you how you kill somebody super fast and she would have stabbed Ace Momoa into the liver and like twisted it and then told the whole army, you're going to follow me or I'm going to kill each and every single one of you. And that's how like a, a younger, newer contemporary writer would have written, written Game of Thrones. Now, with Hunger like no other, I'm like, you're right. I don't know how you create this scenario between the paranormal equivalent of a Montague and a Capulet. Like, uh-huh. you know, they're not going to be hanging out at a party together and be like, ooh, whoops, I didn't realize you were a werewolf. And yes, I, I know there is that all with the drinking of the blood, you find out that how he he shouldn't be able to restrain himself. Like other lesser werewolves that weren't so amazingly hot and old and rich would not have restrained themselves. They would have already just... exist, Zach. <laughs> they would have already just taken it all the way and he is stopping himself somehow. So Right. Okay, so did you think that they were in love then? That was the original <laughs> question i do think they end up in love i do believe that especially with everything they go through i mean it's as ridiculous as some of the the roller coaster of something wilder was right and a fun in a fun ridiculous way what these two go together like the amount of trauma that, that that they have both i mean he's not a trauma he suffered on page one is um is amazing and then what she has gone through um you know and even like her whole thing for her parents and i mean that's that's a whole complex right there so that they get get through all of that and find each other yes i do think they are in love okay what's what are some things that like signal to you that they're in love like their regard for each other the way they look after each other like i think well for him i think it's how he tries i mean he's trying to modernize because he's he's been alive for a long time and so he knows he has to adapt but i think of how much he's trying to adapt for her particularly since he should hate her because she's a vampire Mm -hmm. um so the fact that he's seeing past that he's had people that he's had relationships with for centuries and he's putting her first in a very short amount of time, you know, over these other these other people who want him to cast her aside because she's a vampire. And then for the same thing with her, 
because she has been so sheltered and all she really has is like her adoptive family. I can't quite remember if they're truly adoptive. I, I don't remember the details about her mother. I just remember her father. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, the family that has raised her, that she's been living with, the Valkyries, that, that she is basically defying them to stay with him, even though it seems insane that she would, she should just want to escape, but instead she doesn't. She wants to sort of see it through. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. She does thumb her nose at the people who want to kill him, her family. All right. Well, Okay, moving on. In your opinion, was the sexual tension satisfying or well-written or realistic? And we've kind of, you've kind of touched on this already a little bit. Yes, but this is the difficult part. And the part that, you know, I guess what, this is where, yes, it was. And (laughs) (laughs) which I think it's uncomfortable about these scenes is it's like, it's like sexual tension with like, like a little taste of bile, you know, it's like you don't want the scenes to be erotic to you when you just want her to be able to run away, but right. they still are what they are, you know, so there are they as, as satisfying as, as, as they would be if she was just making excuses like, oh, my life's too busy. I, I can't get in a relationship right now. Oh, well, you know, it's, you know, it's so freezing cold outside. I should just have another drink and stay the night, you know. Like that's like you're like well all right it's kind of innocent they're two consenting adults but yes Um, they did especially because you know he's so tortured and because she has had and never had relief like they both they in their own way that they their their tensions are different his is that it's like this thing that he's not supposed to be able to ignore and somehow he's keeping it at bay and for her it's this like realization that she's never had anything and there's someone who it's all he can think about and she's somehow keeping preventing a lot of it so yes it's very real tension and mm-hmm. yeah um and there's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of sex in this book and you're right like when you kept talking about during the first podcast about like you read just the beginning of this book and it was like, whoa, I, I didn't really remember, but they get to it pretty fast in the, <laughs> in the shower. So I get it. And then like there was more sex than I remembered. And so, yeah, it was it was all good. So you felt bad for liking the sex in this book. But like in the end, I mean, she's like she's totally in it. Did that not change? Did you not feel more comfortable with it then? I did. I did. When she had, when she basically could have walked away, like, you know, yes. So by the end, very, I was much more comfortable. You know, it's tough for me, like, because I couldn't get over the setup and wishing, thinking the story could have been written slightly different and still kept almost everything else. Would you think that this sex was hotter in this book than it was in something wilder? Yes. Yeah. For sure. I think, especially since, like, they didn't have a history with the other two characters. um, Mm -hmm. And because they did, again, I have to admit, because the fact that Emma was in this sort of terrible situation of being abducted against her will, but at the same time (laughs) that she is finding herself 
so like attracted and starting to like him it, right. it made that tension greater than two people who already had sort of worked once before you know and like just had really like we talked about with something while they had lame reasons for <laughs> like not reconnecting earlier yeah even though i did like that book you know the book was fun that book was fun but this yes yes the like the, the, the sexual tension and the all those scenes were were more they, they they had more weight i think because of that because of how tortured both characters were yeah yeah it was this was definitely a more tension-filled book and it did help in creating that making the sex scenes a little bit more ramped up and like there's also that like animal element to these and there's that one scene where they're outside and the biting and the blood <laughs> and the blood stuff is like intense right like i'm not a blood person <laughs> i mean like I'm, no. i have blood as a human but i'm not a blood person <laughs> it's not like my thing and so i just felt like like the act of her drinking his blood and then having his memories, right? Is like in 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 the act of sex when it, it seems to be when they share things and he bites her during sex. Like there's just this like all of this intense stuff happening. And like when you think about drinking, like the, what is more intimate than like having sex, drinking someone's fluids, blood, and then also like taking their memories. I mean, this is like, these are like, t that's why these books are so popular. I mean, these are like ties that bind forever. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it is intimate and, and intense and emotional like maxed out to the extreme which is like i said why people really like these books that idea that like you're so he is he can't let her go and he kidnaps her because she's her she's his only mate you know she's gone and like his whatever they're immortal he has to live his life alone right so like there's just all this wrapped up in each other like it's I mean, it's crazy. It's like a lot, you know what I mean? I'm not really interested in it. Like, I'd rather die, like, but like, just whatever. And so like, <laughs> it's like a lot, you know what I mean? So the sex like almost is secondary in this, just the intensity of their feelings and their needs and their whatever. And just like the intimacy of their bonding. Like the bond is what they're is so strong. Like it's, it's a lot, man. I'm exhausted just explaining it, you know? Yeah. No, no. I, I, I you know, I will say you have made a very convincing argument about for Lock Lane, and I, I forgive him a little bit for being, and I think I'm trying to make him human, and he's not. You know, you're saying with the blood thing, and I'm thinking about it, it's like, I wouldn't, that sounds horrible to me. But at the same time, I'm like, I imagine, I'm like, okay, I'm 1500 years old. It's like, at some point, uh, you know, I guess if you're 1500 years old, missionary might get a little boring. You might need a little something different. And not to mention, you're a all powerful werewolf who can, they can like what were they flaying the flesh off of him and he would regrow it like that was how the vampires were torturing him so i'm guessing like a little prick with some vampire teeth is probably just like ooh you know a yeah. step up from ice cubes like <laughs> hot wax like you know <laughs> that's so funny it's so weird to sometimes be in the position to like have to be like an apologist for male behavior like i'm not used to, I'm, I'm i'm used to being on the other side of it so like for you to put me in the position of having to like make you feel better about some dude is like 
<laughs> it's kind of a mind fuck. Like I don't want to. <laughs> Am I, am, I justify, am I justifying male bad behavior here? Yes, you're, this is what you're making me do, but fine, it's fine. I, I didn't expect to feel like, you know, like such a feminist on this podcast. This is great. <laughs> Wait till I tell my wife. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad that yeah. that's, again, again, this was written in the mid-aughts, so allowances, some allowances have to be made. And like, you know, we can discuss this too. Like, I think there is, you know, all of those old-timey romances with the the ripped bodices and like those were there were a lot of kidnappings. <laughs> and like, but I think that there is in romance you have to be give yourself the space to like indulge in a, what is purely fantasy right and like mm-hmm. it's not necessarily what women want in real life but like again and we talk about this on this podcast a lot but like not having to make the decision right is a fantasy i think for a lot of women to like this is the thing i don't have to worry about whether or not i'm making the wrong decision this is just what it is right it's and destiny it's destiny yes destiny that's such a big word in these books and in this one for sure like i'm I'm, it's out of my control things are gonna be cool and i just have to like go with it and it's gonna be great that is amazing because i mean who likes making decisions not me i'm done done with it all right so we can talk about this there were secondary characters in the book what did you think about them so primarily the valkyries right are the big ones i Um, felt like their existence in the book and and i don't mean it as a, as a negative because this is the first paranormal romance was to get you to help build her world for yeah. future books and it was effective in that i was like asking my wife a lot of questions and looking thinking like okay this is what a valkyrie was classically how is what is a valkyrie in parent like it was very effective in sort of like world building i felt like emma and lock lane are such massive characters that all the side characters were were really minor even like this super powerful vampire that she ends up killing like he's kind of like okay really who cares like he's that he's so big and she takes him out like great get out of there like it's really just about the two of them whereas (laughs) some of the like in something wilder, a lot of the side players were really more important. I really didn't think the other characters, like they, they needed to exist, but I think it was more about, hey, we're going to, you're going to see some of these players later, later, we're going to get you just a little bit of interest so that we, and I like that in series where you get to the next book and it might not actually focus on the main characters in the first book. So I don't know if any of her series does that, but I think it's really more interesting sometimes when a series isn't just following one main character for 12 books, but actually different books are bouncing around in the world that they're creating because it means this, you know, in a lot of ways, a series might not get as old. Yeah. And I suspect in romance and romance series, it would probably need to do that because it was the same couple for nine books as the main primary focus that could be difficult. People, there are some instances where that happens, not quite nine books, but there are, I think another paranormal one is by Karen Marie Moaning, which we've actually done on this podcast. It's the Fever series. That is a focus on one couple throughout, but it does get 
I kind of lost interest at the end, but you know, whatever. But in this world, yeah, and I do, I enjoy, this is probably my, one of my least favorite of the whole series, this particular book. I like other ones much more, but that's because she does such an amazing job at world building and introducing these secondary characters, these side characters. So by the time you get their book, you're much more invested in it. So like Lachlan and Emma, like I'm like, this was fine, but like, I didn't know them they're new so like my investment is lower and then as you go through you since you know people the books get more interesting you know in my opinion but anyway all right fair enough did you think this book was funny i did not think it was funny i didn't think it was was trying to be funny i didn't even think they they didn't even take the opportunity to like poke fun at him not knowing modern technology instead it just seemed more impressive that how quickly he was adapting and was very seriously trying to adapt so yeah, I didn't, I didn't find anything funny. So you didn't think that some of the things that she said to her or some of the dialogue by the secondary characters was funny? No, I think that because there was always too much at stake. I mean, they were terrified and fearful and angry. Um, I see some characters that could, like, in another book might be funny. But I think there was just too much going on here. Nothing struck me as funny. All right, fair enough. Uh, I think that this, I think that Nyx is funny sometimes. I also think that Regan or Reagan was funny, funny in this book. She had some funny dialogue, but you're right. This yeah, is- Nyx is the character I think like, oh, it would have been interesting in subsequent books in the series to see where that character was. Like, She's a big character in this series and we have yet to get her book. Mm. So it's a real bummer. All right. This is written in third person point of view from both Emma and Lachlan's perspectives. First of all, did that bother you? And then did you think that Lachlan's male perspective was indicative of how men think? No, I love the, I love books that do that. I I really like getting into more than one head. I'm even comfortable when it's like more than like the, the one series that I'm reading that is way too many books. Like it, It'll, it does that with multiple characters more than just including a character that might only last for that one particular book. So I, so I like it just because there's so much you can get from inner, more character development. I think you can get from inner dialogue than get if they're just a, um, they seems to become, I guess, you know, a side character. Uh, and I think the male perspective was indicative of how dudes think. Some dudes, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. I guess that's what's disturbing to me. So again, he's not like a human dude, but uh-huh. um, just that, yeah, that obsessive, um, just obsessing. <laughs> uh, do you, but other than that, like taking away that aspect of it, because like that was, you know, that's the paranormal, like this is my mate. This is, I have to have her. Did you think that the way that he, like, kind of towards the end, once they got to know each other, do you think that the way that he, like, thought about her, treated her, do you think that that was realistic? I think he, yeah, he definitely develops and gets a lot better. I mean, especially when people who have known her her whole life, you know, especially other female characters are really underestimating her, and he is not. And And maybe that's, I don't know how much you can pull on the, well, if this is his destined mate, he's destined to have a mate who is his equal. Like, yeah. even though he captures somebody and assaults her in a shower, he is ultimately ex- ex- had been expecting in his fifteen hundred years that he wasn't going to have a reluctant mate. That, like, in his world of werewolves, that they were going to both be like, "Wham, pow," and it was going to be, and they were going to be this power couple. You know, where even if he is the king. 
and the, if you know if, the, if he's slightly elevated that it wasn't going to be like a concubine situation or just like a throwaway so right i do think there is at least that that he's not viewing her as just a possession that never he never is viewing her as a possession even if he's taken her he's he's taken her with the assumption that this powerful mating that happens is going to be like they're you know becoming this true couple okay so like the, in like the, there's nothing the outside of the the beginning and the kidnapping there wasn't anything that happened that he did that you were like oh i'm just like guys wouldn't do this mm, there's so many different guys uh, <laughs> no, I think he's. I think he's. He's very realistic. I, I don't relate to him, but that's not saying. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I. Yeah, I think. I think he's. He's well written, especially for being who he's supposed to be and what he's gone through and what this powerful like. I, I don't want to keep using the title because it makes it like, seem like a joke, but it's just like this urge that is like unfathomable is, is, is you know, a real, a real factor that I have to take into account with this character. Fair enough. All right. So that's it for all the questions. We're going to move on to quick categories. Zach, I'm guessing it's not the shower, but what was your <laughs> hottest moment? <laughs> okay. So when they finally like seal the deal mm -hmm. like i think they are like out in the woods like in the, the dirt and the grass and the moss and it's like very i mean it's just like beyond like passion right it's, you know, because they are it's just it's it's more than just like hey like let's uh let's have a fling and see if this works out like they know they're going to be cemented forever and it is like very animalistic, but you also know it's not just sexual desire at this point. It you know it is love and passion at the same time. So that 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 was a very very hot scene. And these two would not use one sleeping bag. One they're not using. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, mean, I just brought that up recently when we were driving back from some place, and I knew I was going to talk about this book. I was like, I knew that that was the hottest thing. I was like, it's definitely not like that terrible sleeping bag scene. <laughs> <laughs> they're not using sleeping bags in this book and which is a part of paranormal to me because nobody's just outside doing it you know i don't but anyway so <laughs> i still wolves. wolves wolves are and so you know that's why it's all right it's all right yeah yeah I still think about that stupid sleeping bag scene all the time. It just makes me so mad. Anyway, all right, that was pretty hot. I thought all of the scenes in this book were pretty hot. Um, and again, I listened to it on audio. So I did, I have read this before a long time ago, but I found myself in public when I was listening, just fast forwarding through a lot of them because I was like, this is uncomfortable to watch, <laughs> listen to around people. I was like, I don't like this feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to like fast forward, but yeah, they're definitely, definitely good. All right. Speaking of what was your sweetest, most romantic moment? I, I, I had a hard time pinpointing a moment. I think that what I think is his biggest redeeming thing for me, which is what I'm going to call his sweetest romantic thing is how he, what he sacrifices to be with her and also how he sticks up for her with her family. 
because that was the surprise to me in the book was to find out how her fam family kind of just boxed her in. Like she was almost already, and maybe that's the whole thing I'm supposed to sing, see is that she already was sort of a captive before mm -hmm. he kidnapped her. Like being oh. captive, like what was her life? You know, there even you though go. it was a space life maybe that was not the best thing for her either yeah. being an, an immortal character you know like it's not like oh we got to protect you so you can live your 67.5 you know years like you know like you're gonna have to experience things eventually maybe so yeah if you're gonna leave your safe world better to do it like with a hot werewolf guy you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's interesting so i okay fair enough i do think those were sweet moments and i think that it was nice to have him stick up for her and also believe in her as you said before i think and he does he does change the things that he wants right for instance i mean like he hate he's been tortured let's i mean let's talk about it for a minute he's been tortured for 150 years by vampires and then is given a vampire mate and like he he does very rather quickly divorce her from being a vampire right and so yeah. He doesn't hold that resentment toward her. I mean, like if I were tortured for 150 years by a vampire, like I would kill all vampires. You know what I mean? So like he does, he is able to kind of draw these lines and see her as a person and not, you know, a vampire. And then at one point they believe vampires aren't allowed to have children or whatever. And he says, you know, he's spent 1500 years like imagining his life with a family and little children and you know all this all this stuff but when he realizes you know she's a vampire she can't have children one of the things he says is that he was glad because after 1500 years he doesn't want to share her and i thought mm. that's sweet you know what i mean so there are there are lots of moments like that in the, in this so i thought that was that was probably mine so biggest objection or most annoying moment in this i think we know but i think we've beat this one to death i think I still maintain, I think they could have found a way to put her unwillingly with him mm -hmm. without it including assault. Like, found something. There's a, there's a lot of different ways you could have written it, including finding out, him finding out that this is his one and only chance of a mate, but also him discovering that his mortal enemy, the head vampire, would probably either lock her away for himself or take her out as because he might view her as a threat and so he might need to capture emma lachlan might need to capture emma to protect her because selfishly he wants her for her mate there's so many different ways to write it without how they do it. so that's my biggest objection but i've beaten that one to death including dragging rr martin through the mud for a second <laughs> podcast <laughs> Hey, you have strong feelings. I like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have at it. At least no one had their genitals cut off in this book. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, some other side characters. All right. I, I didn't... I guess that would have been my annoying moment. I also found the vilification of Cassandra a little bit annoying. Mm -hmm. She was just like a person who couldn't find... Who hadn't found her mate. And like she was trying to protect them against vampires, which all werewolves do. And I thought that they were like a little rude to her. So I, I just kind of, that's like not a cool thing to do anymore. Like don't vilify women for just the sake of it, right? Like for having feelings for you. You know what I mean? Like it just felt a little first choice and, and lazy. So that was probably that's my 
Yeah. Most That's annoying. a good poll. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Most relatable moment. I did not say, I can't say I related to any of these characters. Um, not, especially <laughs> not her. I struggle with parental figures who are overprotective because it makes me think if your child, who's now an adult, gets to that point and you're still that way have you like did you miss something where you did you not know them as they were growing up that you know i think either you're so i i didn't have a really relatable moment because i didn't feel like there was a really relatable character i really like emma's character and how she's underestimated even though i don't feel like i'm constantly underestimated i just think that maybe I'm quieter about a lot of things. And I don't think Emma is has a need to brag and boast and show off her power and her and her strength. So she might people might assume that she's not strong. So it's like Emma's kind of a weak connection. But I guess it would be, you know, a little bit of that. Just she doesn't need to everyone to know where she's strong. Like she could be underestimated. Gotcha. Well, I mean like I think that I don't know that I have a, I'll have to think about my most relatable moment, but t- talking about Emma for a second, when you think about like, this is a person, like she had not left Louisiana in 70 years or 71 years. And that's fucking nuts. Like, what are you doing, man? And you're like, <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. You're still stronger than most human and like all humans. So like, what, what's keeping you in Louisiana, like you could go anywhere. You have tons of money at your disposal. You could like, so like it's a, she, that's a weird character trait, honestly, that she's like, yeah. just not. Well, she, yeah, she's also, I didn't really think about it in this way, but she's already a captive when she's captured. I think that's the mm-hmm. whole thing. It's her family is really kind of stunted her development and her awareness of her own strengths and abilities and intelligence because in an effort to protect her, they've told her she was weak. Right. And she and I, stay, stay in the house. And I guess that's my point. And then when he does kind of, uh, I guess, capture her at the beginning, she doesn't really try that hard to leave. And so I, not that like that makes it okay, but like, I don't know. I mean, I would probably, if you felt that you were in real danger, wouldn't you try harder to get out of the situation? You know what I mean? Anyway. All right. I don't know what my most relatable moment would be. Probably, I don't know. Living in a house with women and everybody screaming, that seems relatable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. All right. Biggest lie or misconception about men in this book, do you think? Is there anything that like kind of like just rang really untrue to you? No, because I, even though he is a supernatural being, I do think there are plenty of examples. There are lots of men who are exactly like that without having some excuse that's tied to, and, and you know, a, a crazy werewolf thing that you can't ignore. So yeah, no. I, All right. I, I, yeah. I I think that she got men right in this book mostly. All right. Something you think you learned about women and romance from this book, in general terms, of course. I think you said it. It's that maybe sometimes, at least in romance, women want some choice removed. Like that's not something I think I would have come to on my own. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of, yes, it should have though, but like the idea of like 
destiny and destiny, destined and fated love. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, this is a fated dance trope for sure. Mm-hmm. But even if it was like, I was trying to, if it was not a supernatural at all, it could be like, well, how, you know, how do these two unlikely people get stuck in a situation where they, they were together long enough? If they could have gotten away, they would have, you know, they were stuck on this elevator car or this train that got stuck or, you know, like, otherwise they would never have given each other a chance. And so like, just that did not have to be, and I think, you know, this book is, you said was written before, like a lot of, you know, dating services were as popular, but especially I think now, like it's probably like, oh man, people hate that, you know, they hate that grind of, of online dating or dating apps and things that think like this is destined and it's going to be found and I don't need an app to do it. Like how, how much more amazing is that story? Right. Think, think about it. Like I think women in general think a lot and overthink and have the mental load. And, and so this idea that they don't have to think about it, um, they don't have to weigh that decision is, is, you know, romance, romantic. All right. Now that's it for the quick categories. Now, Zach, you have Mm -hmm. read two, you've read several romance novels now, but for the purposes of this podcast, the first one you read was Something Wilder by Christina Lauren. Now tell me about, first of all, like which one you liked better, why, and then what you think are some similarities or differences between the two novels. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to admit that I guess I'm going to have to admit that something wilder was a more, no, sorry, that A Hunger Like No Other was a more interesting read, even though I really objected to a lot of the premise and something wilder was safer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to, uh, I didn't, <laughs> I, I don't like, I would not recommend A Hunger Like No Other. I would never recommend this book to somebody else. <laughs> uh-huh. But but I would recommend Paranormal Romance over a romance like Something Wilder because uh-huh. it did make me jump to two other Paranormal Romance books, both of which I liked better than Something Wilder. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. It's yeah, it's it's hard to admit because I was so I was so mad about the beginning of this book and because I would not <laughs> recommend this particular book. So I am curious, like there is part of me that's like I don't want to read the next like another book in the series, but I'm like, but maybe there's no more of that. You know, maybe once was enough. Uh, but Yeah. No, they get they get better. I mean, in that respect, I think as time moves forward. The similarities were that they were, you know, they were both well, but, you know, like it was like that unlike well, they were both trying to be unlikely pairings. I feel like something wild that the unlikely pairing was weak because they had already worked once before. So it was yeah. you know, it was less and they were in in both books they're kind of stuck together. Mm-hmm. So it would have been much easier and something wilder for them to quit again. Again, it's very, it was a lot weaker, the premise of what, how they were stuck together. Like he could have been like, I'm off this trip. Or she could have been like, you know what? I don't care if I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm just going to cancel you guys and give you my money back. But right. Same kind of thing. Two, yeah. Force. Yeah. Force. Another big romance trope. 
for sure. But I, I like, I think I like the paranormal romance story because I just find romance novels where I find the just endless possibilities when you add things that couldn't happen in real life. You know, right. it's like it's just, you, you know, you could, yeah, you're going off. Okay, everyone's like established that angels typically have wings, and yeah, yeah, but still, each writer could put their own twist on it, just like every fantasy and science fiction writer can kind of put their own twist on, on when they build their world. And that's what's always interesting to see. Okay, yeah, angels and vampires and werewolves and these characters exist in multiple authors' worlds. What will this author do to it, which makes it, you know, it's a whole other thing that makes it very, very interesting. None of which necessarily has to do with romance, but I mean, in this case, uh, they did. They like the werewolves have these, will have one mate, and it's this thing and that's sort of the driving force in this book yeah okay okay what were <laughs> so, that was really i mean that was really good what were some of did you see any differences besides the i mean obviously this one's paranormal something wilder is contemporary and they're written like probably 15 years apart so the sensibility is quite different but i will say that I mean, like you said, some of the things are this, like the forced proximity that doesn't change, right? Um, that's still very popular. Other than that, though, these are just two very different. Variables. Yeah, I think the big difference is the stakes are so much higher. Mm. Like, yes, there were bad guys in something wilder and like their lives were in danger at some point. But at the same time, it's like they so many times early on could have quit and called the thing a whole the whole thing off. Yeah, it's not like if they had if they had ejected early, they never would have even like met the bandits and things. Like that. But in this book, it's like the the dangers in this world to Lock Lane and Emma weren't going anywhere, regardless of whether they found love together. Like you know, those dangers like were real and were much more violent and powerful than a couple bumbling crooks that they encountered in something wilder. Yeah. All right. Um, the, the thing, no, I, I was, I was, I was jumping ahead, I think to your, to your, to what I think you were going next, but I'll wait. <laughs> You're fine. Oh, I, I think it's interesting that you liked a hunger, like, no, they're better. I wouldn't have thought it. I would have, I, cause something wilder just seemed like tailor made for you, the outdoors and stuff. So I, it's very interesting to me that you, in the end, preferred this one. Well, something wilder, and this is what well, I was, I was just saying, you going, well, like, well, with romance novels, will you read more? And I was like, yeah, I totally could read more, especially because Joellen, my wife, prefers more like a paranormal romance. Yeah. And I think she would be more likely to feed me books like that. So one, it's great when you have someone who's like, hey, this is a great one, and hands it to you. Um, and then it's fun. I love, <laughs> Joellen has a terrible history of reading anything that I've read, suggested her. She will bail on it. She like hates my books most times, but I love the books she reads me. That's where like a lot of contemporary fiction I have read like has come, come from her way. Um, but she had never fed me any romance novels until she got very excited that I was doing your podcast. And so I've read two that she said, me, and I think in the future, now that she knows she's heard me rant and rant and rant about hunger like no other, I think she could be like, oh, you'll like this one. Or for a fun experiment, she could hand me a book she'd know would drive me batty just because she'd like to hear my 
soapboxing about it. But I, I'm reading some contemporary fiction right now, a series that I, I really have loved. And it's the fourth and final book in the series. But the, the thing is, because it is, it is so real, like the villains are, it makes some, some points, even though I love it, make me depressed for how terrible real people are in the world. Like, you know, it's like, it's awful. In like, you know, it, it, there's like a, like, you know, kind of a fascist regime, you know? And so it's like, oh, this is fiction, but it, it could be a, a real story. Right. Whereas in this, it's like vampires and werewolves and the fae. And it's like, you know what? This horrible archangel is, been around like for millennia and of course they're horrible terrible awful being and it's going to be satisfying when they get killed by this half vampire or whatever or this like but it's like i don't have to worry about actual magical art angles who can are like grinding human beings under their boots like on a daily basis because they're just not magical you know it's like this is so fiction yeah so i think that's the thing that's kind of nice about fiction being like really fake. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, that, like there's a lot of human emotion and understanding and relatability there, but it's, at the same time, it's, it's not too real. It is an escape because as much as I love like contemporary fiction and things like that, it's like sometimes it can be so real because you know it is real or like the author has actual experience of it that it can lead me down like rabbit holes in my brain that get, you know, just depressing like thinking about what human beings suffer at the hand of other humans. Yeah, well, I think this is such a great point. Cause like when you think of Emma, I mean, she kills her own dad. You know what I mean? Like if you can imagine like killing your own dad, that's fucking nuts. Even if you don't like him or not, that's like, as a real human, you're like, Oh my, like how do I ever get over this? Whereas like Emma, it's like she gets injured, but then she like wakes up and it's like an afterthought that she killed her dad to her. She's like, when are we going to do it again? You know, with Lachlan, like, I'm ready. Like, give me, give me your blood. I got good shit to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like dad, who cares? You know, that's like a fantasy, you know, that's definitely like not something that would happen in the real world. Like that's a paranormal thing that's like this guy that birthed you he's a vampire and like you you killed him and in the description of him of her killing her own dad was like she got to cut him into like three separate chunks i was like jesus christ this is awful and like she's not like okay with it but like she gets over it pretty darn quickly you know what i mean well you know she's got those she's got those bloody blowjobs to get to so. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's all. All right. That's hilarious. All right. But okay. So how have these novels further influenced how you think about romance in general? And you've kind of touched on this. And I, I, yeah, I think it's just that they are, can be great fiction, just like other fiction, but just like, just like movies where romance, romance is at the core, you do have this thing that helps keep the story going along and helps hopefully, if it's well done, to make you really care about those characters and really want to see them achieve happiness. And in the case of paranormal romance, or even in something wilder, achieve the other, the side goal, which might be saving the world or ridding them of a terrible supernatural being, you know, or, or 
you know, finding redemption with their relationship with their father. Like, you know, but if, if, if you don't care about that, at least there's this, the romance at the core, which is, is you know, it's kind of nice that you expect there's a sort of, given that the two characters in the back of the jacket are going to find some some union. Going back to that first question, Zach, excuse me, which book did you read faster, do you think? Well, one, I think Something Wilder was, I don't know. I think some, Something Wilder was, it just was a much simpler read. I, I, I read Something Wilder faster because okay. having never read Paranormal Romance, I was half, like I said, like I got the Valkyries and I was like, okay, I'm kind of familiar with what a Valkyrie is in mythology, but I'm uh, not actually sure. And I think there's a lot of assumptions. Like when you come across elves, people don't really go through a huge description. Hey, have you never heard of elves before? No, they just assume you've got to know what an elf is. So it's like, I didn't really know. So I was having to either reread some stuff or to go and like, kind of or ask my wife or looking like hey what are these characters in this kind of a book like what is the significance there yeah there was just more learning i read another one of the books that juan put on me there was so much world building in the first book right. that it, it it was a, like a lot it was a, a a lot to kind of ingest at first and she hunger like no no other was not quite that dense with like yeah. world building but there was definitely, you could tell, you know, she's in it for the long haul, like to, to get some other books out. So yeah. I think with something Wilder, it's just a one-off in that sense. Gotcha. All right. So that was, that's interesting. So that one you read faster. All right. So Zach, at the beginning of this podcast, you know, you mentioned again that you thought it was porn and I like literary porn. Did this novel derail that assumption? Well, even more than something wilder, because I thought something wilder's story was well done. You know, even it was it was a fun read, and I loved to hate the characters that I thought were dumb. And you know, we talked about that, like the clown car of side characters. But still, it was like I I, I, I made the book enjoyable to have characters yeah. I didn't like. Um, this book, because there was so much in it besides their relationship and so much at stake, you know it. And I said, despite the fact that I was really upset about the initial sexual encounter, I kept reading. So if, <laughs> you know, I do not think romance novels are, are like porn, or at least not the ones that you're recommending to me. If I have, if there are ones like porn, I have not encountered it. But uh-huh. the, um, like the, 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 the things in between those scenes certainly does not seem just like filler, just sketch down like it's 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 very interesting and engaging and like you said you were reading you were listening to it and skipping those scenes like <laughs> because you were in public but i mean that and juan i think you know and and her really good friend who read the one series that they had me read the first book like you know they were saying like they'll skim over some of those scenes because it's like yeah it, it's not necessarily that important i mean some people you know it's like oh it's fun it's juicy but uh-huh. I think what I'm gathering is that some romance readers, it's really about that romance and the connection yeah. that maybe maybe the sex is hot, maybe it is, but it's not that important to every reader, but it's not why people are reading the book or for those scenes alone, which is what, again, my uninformed, before I read something wilder, what I was thinking a lot about a lot of those books. Gotcha. I didn't know. Yeah. Look, your podcast has blown my mind, changed my my world, and and I think my brother-in-law is reading his first romance novel because of your podcast now. Because we, my what? wife and I met, 
met uh, my brother-in-law and his girlfriend. We, we met, we got to meet his girlfriend for the first time mm-hmm. uh, right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And this pot, your podcast came up uh-huh. and she was very excited because she knew Chris, Christina Loren. Like yeah. That was the author. She was like, you read a Christina Loren? She, but she hadn't read that one because it was, you know, it, I think it came out in June. Like it was so yeah. new. Was so new. she's either reading it or read it now. And I think, I believe my brother-in-law, we got him a Kindle for Christmas and I think he's reading it or has read it now as well. So like, cause she was, wow. she was so excited and going on and on and on about this author and different books. When she's like, well, what else have you read? What else have you read? And what is Dwellen reading? Cause we just <laughs> met her for the first time. And my brother-in-law is kind of like, what, 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 what are we talking about? Right. You know, like, like, cause he didn't realize that she was into these, you know, was reading these romances. She didn't, you know, they hadn't really talked about books. He was not really a reader at all, I think, <laughs> much of a reader at this point. So now we're like all dwelling and, and I and my uh, and, and my brother-in-law's girlfriend are all like trying to like make him a reader, become a reader, join us, whatever you want to read. But, you know, what? like, here's your Kindle. Here's how you do Libby. We're going to get you on. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing I mean that's what I mean like women and he she probably never told him before because like women don't talk about reading romance with their male partner like it's embarrassing they don't like to admit it because it's like a thing which is sad and part of what we're trying to dispel here right and so like that's really that's so cool so he's reading something wilder yeah that's amazing I next please remind me and I because I would love to know what he thinks about it having especially not reading anything that's the thing like I would think that like guys who don't read anything would love to read romance novels I mean what's not to like you know doing it it's just fornicating and fun stuff like what's the what's up man you know what I mean also Zach you have not given me your grandmother's preferences so I can make a list for her I've been waiting you (laughs) What does oh, she like? I, I, I've got to ask my mom. I don't think I can ask my grandmother. Like, I don't think she will tell me, but I'll ask my mom because forever she would load my grandmother's Kindle for her. So I know she must know. So I'll ask my mom. I'm going to see her tomorrow morning. <laughs> Did she read something wilder too? Did she not? might have because she wanted the list and I gave my mom the list, but I have to ask. But she reads like crazy, wears out Kindles. Like they can't make a Kindle that she can't wear out. So... <laughs> Well, if she reads it, I definitely want to know what she thinks about it. Um, This is amazing. I'm so excited that one, you're reading more romance. Do you feel like it's bringing you closer to your wife, even though she's sharing romance books with you now and you're talking about them? I mean, that's super cool, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's like one more, one more book. I love being able to talk about these books. My My wife loves to see my heated reactions to things like whether it's movies whether i'm yelling at the tv or at a book and going i don't understand like, i just know it's entertainment for her so she's very happy <laughs> that's amazing that is so amazing well zach i i'm sorry that this book started out rough for you i'm glad it got better <laughs> I'm really excited to see, uh, to hear what you think about the next book, which was Nora Roberts, right? Tears of the Sun or something, right? It's an Irish one, is it not? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read it. I haven't gotten it. So in fact, if there's a different book, we could figure that one out. But like, yeah, I haven't, um, I think, I think Nora Roberts, 
I feel like I stood outside her house. I think her house is in San Francisco, and someone's like, "This is her Nora Roberts house." Maybe not. I it's thought she, not. Lived, she she lives in Maryland. I think like oh, Roberts. That's okay. It's some other author that's like a big name. I don't. It's not. She know. might have a house in California. Maybe Danielle Steele is out there. I don't know. Oh no, Danielle Steele. I think it's Danielle Steele's house. She got a lot of black cars. Like a lot of expensive shiny looking black cars. That's all you can see with the gate. Well, she has like eighty. She has like twenty children, so it might have belonged to the, one of her. <laughs> might belong to her children. <laughs> she has so many children. Anyway, all right, Zach. We'll finish up here. But last thing, tell me that you love romance. I love romance. 